Oh, Spider-Man, always getting into trouble. Oh, hello. <laughs> this is Rico, and of course you're watching not Spider-Man review of uh, comics, which, well, that wouldn't be this show. Anyway. <laughs> oh, this is Videocast 300. It's three, 300, 300 episodes of Treks and Sci-Fi. Hard to believe, everyone. Uh, I just, uh, first... Of course, I want to say thanks for all the support over the years, blah, 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 blah. You know, no, it's great. Uh, I, I really enjoy doing the show still. I, I, you know, enjoy the website and the forum people so much. You guys uh, have no idea how much uh, that helps and means to me these days, especially. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the little opening there and intro to the show. Uh, today's show, though, we're going to get right into it because I have a lot of videos to play. Uh, a lot of them came in in the last few days. So it's going to be a packed show, uh, and uh, I want to just get kind of into it. The idea for this show, for a Videocast 300, rather than, oh, you know, look back at Treks and Sci-Fi and all that junk, uh, I really wanted to just do a fun show where, where I got as many of you involved as I could, and that meant that uh, what we were going to do, or, or try to do, was come up with sort of a new idea or a new subject for uh, today's video cast and what I came up with I've done this on the on the podcast a few times before I always like to try to spotlight uh, TV shows and movies and things that are maybe things people have overlooked maybe the reviews weren't that good maybe not a lot of people went to see it it didn't do too well or it got yanked off the air you know after a few episodes uh, by Fox <laughs> but the you know the point is is that a lot of these things just, I, I think a lot of times it's a matter of timing, advertising, word of mouth, uh, a combination of factors. But, uh, you know, with home uh, DVD and Blu-ray and, and, you know, all these things on the Internet and YouTube that you can check out this stuff that uh, in, in the old days, uh, you know, if you missed it when it was on TV or at the movies, you were pretty much done. So, uh, the again, the point here is for Videocast 300 was to have people pick out some of those sort of cult classics of their own, favorites that they enjoy uh, that may not be uh, widely known and, and stuff that I thought we could share with all of you, uh, the viewers and the listeners to Treks and Sci-Fi. So hopefully this will uh, spur your interest and get you to go over to Netflix or wherever you watch your video content from and uh, check these things out. I, I really want to thank everyone that sent in the videos today. Uh, you guys did great. And uh, it's just uh, so much fun to involve other people when I do the show. I, I have gotten to the point that uh, I would love every uh, podcast or video cast to involve you guys because it's, it's much more fun for me, and I think it becomes a much more interesting show than just me, blah, blah, blah. Oh, this is such a great movie or TV show or episode of Star Trek or whatever. So uh, with that in mind, oh, I did want to say at the beginning here, I want to thank my wife Lynn once more uh, for doing that uh, podcast last weekend. I think you guys really enjoyed it from what I've been hearing. And uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. We, you know, it, it's a little tricky. I don't think we were quite as normal and natural when we started to record than I think we normally are. Uh, I used to threaten that I would record our dinner conversations when the kids were home especially because we had some pretty good ones. I, I There was a time there I, I was really close to wanting to do a uh, dinner table podcast where I just kind of uh, put a hidden microphone in our, our dinner room and, and record our conversation sometimes because it was, uh, let's just say the milk was spilling out of people's mouths sometimes because it was pretty fun. So 
but I never did that. But anyway, I wanted to thank her for joining me last week, and hopefully we'll get her on the show again sometime. Uh, we won't have to wait for almost 300 episodes uh, once more. So uh, that's about it. That's a little as much as the preamble I want to do. I'm not going to do any news or other little segments, no Rico dancing around or anything like that. Well, maybe at the end. But uh, what we're going to do is get right into the videos from you guys. And the first up, I'm going to play this one is from uh, Tim. Uh, Tim is one of, uh, I guess, probably one of the younger members on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. He's been on there a long time. I, I really appreciate uh, his comments, and, and uh, it's great to hear from him. And I'm glad that he got the chance to use his new iPhone 4 and send in this video about a couple of movies that he enjoys. So take it away, Tim, and I'll be back after uh, to. Uh, I'm gonna probably what I'm gonna do is gonna be get interspersed the videos with uh, my comments uh, back to what people have sent in, and uh, sort of give you a little bit of preview of other things and. You know how it goes, a uh, little in interspersed. So I'll be back after Tim's video, and we'll uh, get the ball rolling here. Hey, Rico, it's King Isaac Linkser. And on the forums, you put a shout-out for movies that deserve a second chance. Well, I have two today. The first one is Lost in Space. I don't remember when this was made, but it's a movie set in the future where Earth is running out of resources. So our response is to set up an outpost on a new Earth-like planet. And who do we send? The Robinson family. Well, unfortunately, shenanigans happened, an evil plot, things blow up, and the family gets, well, shall I say, lost in space. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's, got a, it's got a pretty good story, the visuals are good, and it's just a fun film. It, features one of my favorite villains and I can't remember his name but he he features as a lot of villains and really should fire his agent because he deserved better <laughs> but anyway I'm sure somebody will correct me on who that was it's a good film it deserves a second chance there are some weaknesses, but I think overall it's just a fun film, and really, you just need those fun films that at least try to have quality. So the next one is the movie Nine. This is an animated flick created by Tim Burton. Or maybe it was directed. I can't remember which. Either way, it's set in the post-apocalyptic future, where... The robots took over and humans lost. Terribly. And this is just a good flick. The setting, the, the, whole, the whole mystique to this world really leaves you wanting more. And I wish they had done more with it. And I have vain hope that they'll make a sequel. Probably not, unfortunately. But still... It basically, you're following around this life form called Nine. And it's just a good film to go and see. You really want to see more of this film because it's just good. I, I really can't explain with this movie. I really enjoyed watching it. And every minute of it, I just... I don't know what to say. I just wanted to see more of it. And... It's a good film for anyone to see. It's got good, well, good, awesome visuals. 
the story is a bit on the weak side. But uh, overall, the characters are at least lovable. The voice acting is good. One of the characters is voiced by Elijah Wood, and I can't remember, but some of the other voice actors you'll probably recognize from other videos. Movies, I'm sorry. So anyway, there you go, Rico. Two movies that everyone should at least give in this second look. Lost in Space and Nine. So, for everyone at the Treks and Sci-Fi Forum, live long, sorry, and prosper. Bye. Ah, so uh, thanks for Tim for doing that the video, that great thing on, uh, talked about two things, Lost in Space and Nine. I've seen both those. I agree completely, Tim. Those are both uh, films that I, I definitely think deserve another look. Lost in Space, especially for me, since I, I kind of grew up watching the original series a little bit in reruns, and I think I did a podcast about that series, uh, the whole thing. That one, I, I thought that movie was better than most people gave it credit for. So I agree with you, Tim. Great stuff. Thanks very much. Uh, next up, let's see. I have my list here somewhere. Ah, cheat sheet. Post-it notes. You know, I don't like these post-it notes that do this. Well, what, what, what is the deal there? Why can't they put the glue all on one side? It's kind of fun to play with, but... <laughs> all right, next up, we're going to have a, uh, a little uh, uh, video here from Meds in the UK. Uh, I didn't get a chance to subtitle it to translate, you know, that UK, London, you know, whatever. Not really London. I, I think I make a mistake like that all the time. I think everyone in, in Britain lives in, the, in London, but I know they don't. Anyway, uh, I was going to make some kind of silly joke about translating, you know, the British speak to, um, you know, American English, but, uh, nah, that wouldn't be funny. I can understand meds just fine. So he's going to talk about a TV show, and I'll be back in a moment. Wow, you don't look a day over 295 IGS, of course. Uh, this is Meds, uh, otherwise known as Hawkeye Meds on the forums, and the presenter of Waffle On Podcast. Congratulations on getting to episode 300. Uh, it's a milestone, and here's to the next 300. You'll probably be a little bit more greyer, if you can get a bit more greyer, of course. Uh, anyway, I want to just mention a program that I was uh, devoted to uh, for only the 13 episodes that was made. It's called Broomstone. It was done by the Fox Network, probably the reason why it was cancelled. Uh, there was no reason for it being cancelled. It was a fantastic programme. It was uh, broadcast on October the 23rd, 1998, until February the 12th, 1999. Uh, created by Ethan Reef and Sirius Voice. Probably got their names wrong, not too sure, but still, who, who cares, really? Um, the basic premise of this programme was it was set in 1983 to start off with. And Ezekiel Stone, uh, played, by <clears throat> played by Peter Horton, so, uh, is a New York cop. His wife gets raped, and he goes out and apprehends the offender, and the offender gets cleared of the charges. Obviously, this is extremely upsetting. And uh, Ezekiel Stone goes after him and murders him. Uh, and two months later, Stone himself gets killed in the line of duty, and he's sent to hell. Uh, the devil played by the wonderful John Glover, of course, as the majority of us know him through playing Lex Luthor's father in Smallville, um, turns around and says the reason why he's gone to hell is because he went after the guy and killed him and took pleasure in it. Um, 11 years or 15 years later, uh, there is a breakout from hell, and 113 souls escape 
and go to earth to cause all kinds of mayhem, as these people do. So the devil then asks Stone uh, to go and get them. And if he can go and get all 113 of these people, he will get another chance on earth. Stone is given 113 tattoos, and each uh, uh, soul he gets back, of course, a tattoo removes. Um, there's only 13 episodes, so he only got 13, there was 100 left. Presumably there might have been 113 uh, episodes, who knows? He wasn't given a chance. The good thing about it, of course, is that all the, the uh, escapees, the nasty people from hell, and Stone himself have supernatural powers. They can't die. The only way they can die is through the eyes, because, of course, the soul uh, is the, well, you know, the eyes, windows of the soul. Ezekiel Stone carries only $36.27 on him, because that's what he had when he died. And he has a bullet hole in his raincoat. And it's always the same. It's way every morning he wakes up. That's what he's wearing. That's what he has. It was a brilliant program. I don't know if you remember it. Uh, if you can get hold of it or if you can put it on a, uh, your Geek TV thing, uh, please do. It was a fantastic uh, short-lived TV series. Uh, we constantly complain about how these shows don't get any chance. And uh, that was happening then. Anyway, that's my little brief uh, talk about the wonderful TV, sci-fi, supernatural drama, well, thanks very much, Meds, for that uh, very uh, cool review of the TV series Brimstone. You've got me more interested. You know, I never got a chance to see that. I, I, it kind of slipped by so fast, I think, on Fox that it was just gone, and I didn't get a chance to check it out. So I will do that uh, very soon, and thanks very much for your video. Uh, that was great, and I don't think my hair is all gray yet, really. <laughs> Anyway, next up, we are going to hear from uh, Rick Pete. Rick is going to talk to us about uh, a really cool movie, one, one of my favorite fantasy films. So take it away, Rick. Hey, Rico and members of Trucks and Sci-Fi. This is Rick Pete, or R. Pete in the forums. And uh, I thought for the 30, 300th, uh, episode for Tricks and Sci-Fi, I thought I would do a quick review on, it, on one of my favorite movies called Lady Hawk. That was, uh, it was released in 1985. It was produced and directed by Richard Donner, who's our friend from Lethal Weapon and Superman fans. Um, it was a fantasy movie. It was about two hours long. And the basic story is a character of Philippe Gaston, who was a thief, escapes from the dungeons of Aquila, um, causing a manhunt because the bishop, who's evil, you know, wants to recapture him. Um, while he's running away, he runs into Captain Navarre, who used to be the captain of the guard for the bishop, who's now a fugitive, and is trying to get revenge back against the bishop and to hopefully reunite with his love, whose name is Isabeau, who the bishop cursed so that he is a human during the day, but during the day, she's a hawk. And then at night, at sundown, he becomes a wolf, and she turns back into a human. So basically, the bishop has cursed them so that even though they were wanted to get married, he, the bishop, was actually lusting for Isabeau, and so he put this curse on them so that they could never really be together. Although they travel together, as both human and animal, depending, and they switch places depending upon, you know, night or day. So the captain learns that Philippe has escaped from Aquila, and he wants Philippe to show him how to get back into the city so that he can kill the bishop. 
And so there's lots of fighting and um, a lot of drama, a lot of comedy, a lot of good things about this particular movie. Um, the score was written by a gentleman named Andrew Powell, who only really did about three different movies, and Lady Ock was his last. Um, it was a real, like, techno-pop type of uh, score, but I really liked the music. I thought the music was well done. And not all the people, not everybody liked it, but I thought it was really good. And I thought it really enhanced the movie, especially during the cinematography aspects of it and the fight scenes. So that was awesome. Um, the movie starred Matthew Broderick, who we all have come to love. Um, I think I first saw him in War Games, which was his second movie um, that he ever made. And uh, this Lady Hawk was his fourth movie that he made. And he's been in all kinds of movies. He, he was in Inspector Gadget, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Project X, The Freshman, um, Biloxi Blues, the remake of The Stepford Wives. He was the he's a Lion King as the adult voice for Simba. He was in the producers, and he was in a movie I really enjoyed called Glory, which was a uh, movie about the Civil War, and uh, very good. Uh, Rucker Hauer was Captain Navarre. He has been in lots of things, most notably Blade Runner, uh, Buffy, the original Buffy the Vampire movie. He was in a couple of episodes of Smallville, and he was in Batman Begins in 2005. He, uh, this is one of the few, few times he was actually playing a hero in a movie. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, who was Isabeau, um, this was her seventh movie um, in her career. And she's been in lots of stuff, including Catwoman when she was in Batman Returns. Um, she voiced a character in Prince of Egypt. She was in Hairspray more recently. Um, she was in Grease 2, uh, The Wishes of Eastwick, and in Amazon Women on the Moon. How can we all forget that particular gem? Um, and then the other uh, person of note was John Wood, who played the Bishop of Aquila. And he's been in a lot of stuff, too. Interestingly, he and Matthew Broderick were in a movie prior to this. They both were in War Games together in 1983. But he's also been in Jumpin' Jack Flash. He was in the Avengers remake back in 1998. And he was in a movie called The Little Vampire in 2000. He's been in a lot of other stuff, too. Um, but what I liked about it the most, I think, was just the mix of the drama, the comedy, um, the historical settings uh, in the medieval times. I love anything that's got swordplay and fighting and good horsemanship. It was just all together a really well-put-together, well-directed movie. I think anybody who's into fantasy would really enjoy the movie. Um, and it's got some romance in there, so it's a great movie to see with your significant others because, you know, this is, it's got something in there for everybody. Um, but basically it's a morality play. Uh, it's a search for justice. I like, all, I like most movies that have to do with overcoming adversity to right or wrong, and this was certainly in that vein. Um, I like the whole idea of the switching of the, you know, male, you know, human to beast and beast back to human. In fact, one of my, my most favorable quote, favorite quotes in the movie was when uh, Captain Navarre tells Philippe, did you know that wolves and hawks mate for life? The bishop didn't even give us that. So, and that kind of really sums up the heartache and the pain that both Navarre and Isabeau lived with being together and not yet together. Um, I won't tell you how it ends. I encourage you guys to watch the movie. And uh, 
The only other facts I had to share was that it cost about $20 million to make. It only made about $18 million in the U.S., but it was released internationally in about 15 different countries, so I'm sure altogether it uh, made quite a bit of movie movie money for the uh, for the producers and for, um, I think, Time Warner and uh, 20th Century were behind the movie. And it was released in the Netherlands, where Rutger Hauer is from, so that was pretty cool. So anyway, that's what I wanted to share with regard to this movie, Lady Hawk. I encourage everyone to go see it. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for your time, Rico. Have a great time. Talk to you later. Bye. Well, thanks very much, Rick. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's a great movie, Lady Hawk. There's just so many cool things in it. And I love the music, especially to Lady Hawk. I, I love that soundtrack by, uh, I think it's uh, some of the guys or one of the guys from Alan Parsons Project, which is a favorite of mine. So thanks so much for sending that in. Lady Hawk, uh, great fantasy film, great actors, and just so much fun to watch. Uh, next up, we're going to have something a little special here. Uh, this is a little different. It isn't really about a movie or a TV show, but uh, our friend, uh, our Skrillian, is that how you say his race's name? Our Skrillian friend Vartuk has sent in this cool video about uh, some collectibles of his. So take it away, Vartok. Hello everyone, this is Vartok again with a second audiovisual message to the Treks and Sci-Fi members. I am sorry it is not in 3D holographic format, as is usual for my species. However, your Earth technology is still a bit behind the intergalactic norm. But do not worry about that. You will get your communication methods up to standards in the future. I know, because I have vacation there. Anyway, your Admiral Rick Odosti has asked for another video from Bartok, and so I am complying. For this visual segment, I have chosen to present to you some of my human collectibles. Yes, Rico has done a commendable job of presenting his Star Wars and Star Trek collectibles each week, many of which Vartok must admit he does not fully comprehend the cultural significance. So Vartok thought it would be nice to show off some of his human collectibles. Here in my pod, you see the mineral specimen I found in your regional area called California. Using my Skrillian shuttle scanner, I found this sample of metal you humans called gold. I do not fully understand its significance, as it is a fairly common mineral on my planet Skorilia. Perhaps it is the shiny nature and interesting crystal structure that you humans find so interesting. However, I gathered this small sample so it did not take up too much space in my display case. Next. I want to show to you this interesting cultural face mask that I picked up from your human named Stanley Ipkiss. It seems Stanley thinks this particular mask has strange magical powers, although I must confess I would not know about that, as my species does not have facial features, and therefore it is of no consequence to me. It is very nice to look at, however. I am told that this piece is an extremely valuable and rare piece of human currency called the Sahan Dollar. 
the human who sold me this piece for only three kilograms of gold said it is the only known currency that is carbon-based. He notes that it is of convenient size and weight and has these little slots in it to interface with your computer systems. He was hesitant to sell this specimen to me, but I convinced him that the gold mineral is also nice to look at, and I am a good judgment of human character. I acquired this rare human drinking cup in your great city of New York. I was extremely fortunate to find a human by the ancient Brooklyn Bridge, who sold this historical artifact, which he called the Holy Grail. He explained to Vartok that this piece was once used by one of your historical shamans over 2,000 soul years ago, and it also has magical powers. He noted that if I were to put an earth drink called alcohol into this cup, I might feel a light-headedness, although how could he guess what a Skorelian would feel, I do not know. Fortunately for Vartok, he provided one earth gallon of something called wild turkey, which he said I should attempt to absorb in 25 farticks, or about one hour of your earth time. I will attempt this experience later. Last, since I have been showing you some of my human collectibles, I thought I might at least show you one of my collectibles from other places in the sector. Here I am holding a Porphyrian Pleasure Ball, which use I will leave up to your human minds. However, I can say that its warmth and synaptic capabilities whoa, are really something to behold. Whoa, whoa. Just between you and me, these pleasure bars are banned on seven out of eight worlds, owing to their extreme sense of pleasure. I was going to provide one of these to your Admarica, however your planet has not yet indicated if pleasure balls are allowed or not. Well, that's about it for this from her. This is Vartar Talk. I hope you have enjoyed some of my human collectibles. This is Vartok, ending transmission mission. Well, thanks very much, uh, Mr. Vartok. Uh, that was great. I love to see your uh, human collectibles, as you called them. That was fun stuff, so thank you very much. And we all love the uh, video from your uh, younglings over there, so uh, I want to uh, tell everyone uh, to check that out. I will put a link here. A subtitle. This will this will get you hopefully to the YouTube uh, link. Uh, um, just search for this username. I'll put the username down here on YouTube, and you can find the uh, the Trek fan film that they did, which was fantastic. Loved it. So, next up, we're going to hear from Kenny, our buddy Kenny in California, who is going to talk about another movie, another fantasy film uh, that uh, is also one that I enjoy as well. So, take it away, Kenny. Hey, Rico. This is Kenny from California. I am sending in this video for your 300th podcast. Congratulations. The topic was to pick one of our favorite sci-fi fantasy TV shows or movies that really is not as popular as, as we think it should be. Uh, there's so many of them, especially from the 80s. I really enjoyed movies like Legend, Last Starfighter, Time Bandit, Crawl. I mean, that was, those, are, those are all just awesome, underrated movies, I think that uh, people really do need to see. But the one I chose to talk about is going to be Willow. It's one of my all-time favorite fantasy movies. I loved it when I watched it as a, as a kid. 
and I still can pop it in any day and, and just enjoy it. Willow was produced and co-written by George Lucas and was directed by Ron Howard. So there had some really good names attached to it. Lucas conceived of the idea of Willow in 1972, approaching Howard in 85. Bob Dolman was brought on to write the screenplay, coming up with seven drafts in late 1986. Willow was released in May of 1988. Warwick Davis played Willow Upgood, a reluctant Nelwyn halfling who plays a critical role in protecting infant Alora Dana from the evil queen Bob Morda. He serves as a protagonist in the film. Val Kilner is Mad Marican, a boasting mercenary swordsman who helps Willow on his quest. Joanne Wally as Sorsha, warrior daughter of Bermorda, who begins the film as an antagonist but eventually shares a romantic relationship with Mad Marigan. Jean Marsh as Queen Bavmorda, villainous ruler of Nakmor and mother of Sorsha. Patricia Hayes as Finn Razil, aging sorceress who turned into a rodent due to a curse from Bavmorda. Kevin Pollock and Rick Overton as Rule and Frangin, brownie duo who also serve as comic relief in Willow's Journey. If you don't know what Willow is, it's a really sweet story. Uh, it's about uh, these halflings, uh, Warwick Davis' character, uh, and his family find a baby. And they take the baby to their leader, and their leader, you know, it's Darwinian, is what they call the big people. Um, and so it's up to Willow to take this baby to a crossroads to deliver to the first Darwinian that he sees. And unfortunately, he meets Mad Martigan, Val Kilmer's character, and uh, he's not, he's very reluctant to leave the baby with him. Uh, he's kind of a, a wild, crazy kind of guy. Um, you think, you know, he comes off as this tough macho, but deep down he's uh, very kind and wanting to help. Um, so they actually team up and they go to the fairy queen who uh, gives, tells us that this baby, her name is uh, Alora. And she's actually going to be queen one day, and she's going to—she's the only one that can defeat the evil queen who's uh, in power now. So they got to keep her alive and get her to these, these king and queen, this good king and queen, so they can raise her properly. Uh, so that's basically the story, and it's this their adventure traveling to this king and queen um, to deliver this baby. So what's cool is that the protagonist, the hero of the story, is actually a halfling. And it's his job to, to save his, you know, his lands from the evil queen. Um, and he's a budding sorcerer to begin with, so it's kind of cool to, to watch him grow. And I just think it's neat that it's not some big strapping tall guy, you know, who's, who's uh, going to save the day. It's this little, you know, I think he's like probably less than three feet um, character who's actually the one that's supposed to save the day. And uh, it's, just, it's a very cool and sweet story. I like the relationships between all the characters. And it's just fun. It's a fun adventure ride that I wish everyone would watch. Because it it's well worth watching. And uh, you get some really good performances with some really cool special effects. And I think uh, George Lucas and, and Ron Howard both did a great job on this film. So uh, definitely check it out. Thanks, Rico. Hopefully you enjoyed my review of Willow. Well, thank you, Kenny. That was great. Uh, you know, Willow is, is, is I think, a, a wonderful movie. You know what would have been cool about Willow I would have liked to see is, is maybe a TV series based on that. I thought that the world was very interesting and, and, and the, 
you know, is very rich. George Lucas has a, definitely has, you know, I, I think George has got a pretty vivid imagination. I think he, he just gets a little carried away sometimes. <laughs> but Willow was a great movie, and I enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, thanks for reviewing that one for us, Kenny, and talking about it. And everyone should uh, definitely put that in their Netflix queue and, and check it out. Uh, next up, uh, we're going to hear from uh, Dave. This uh, this one's uh, a movie that I think I've talked about on the podcast before, a favorite of mine as well, an older sci-fi film. So take it away, Dave. Well, hello, Trex and Sci-Fi fans. For my movie review today, I thought we'd take a look at a TNT original. It's a prequel to Babylon 5, and it's called In the Beginning. Um, no, not really. Uh, what we will do, though, is we'll take a, a quick look at three of my um, favorite uh, sci-fi films. Okay, this is a story of uh, Freeman Lowell. He's played by Bruce Dern, probably one of my favorite Western bad guys. This role for him is a little different, and uh, I think he does a great job at it. Um, Freeman is a uh, botanist aboard the Valley Forge, and uh, he and his crew are um, preserving the last uh, botanical specimens left from Earth. Uh, they're in an orbit around Saturn and they're, they've been out for eight years. They're uh, waiting for um, orders to return home and those orders come when their employer decides it would be more economically uh, astute to destroy the, uh, the domes and uh, at that point uh, Freeman flips out. We have just received orders to abandon and nuclear destruct all the forests. It's insane. You can't blow up this forest. God bless you, Freeman. You're a hell of an American. I think I am. And Universal was very intrigued with the idea of experimenting with making five films for a million dollars a piece with relatively unknown emerging directors, writers, and actors, and giving them a chance to do what would be like an independent film so that it wouldn't interfere, they wouldn't tell us how to do it, we'd have final cut as long as it was a million dollars. So there were five films made and Silent Running was one of that series. At that time in my life, I had heard some wonderful compositions and orchestrations that were done for Joan Baez's records, which I liked very much. And I looked on the record jackets and there was Peter Shickley over and over and over. And so I sought him out and I, I met Peter Shickley, not knowing that he was P.D.Q. Bach, famous in another realm for making these send-ups of classical music and quite famous for that, but Peter had done a couple of small film scores for documentaries and things, and he was very interested in doing the film, and he agreed to do it. And then I had this idea, which was you know, kind of a trendy thing to do at the time, would try to get a hit single to go with your movie. I never thought when I was making the film that it would be, you know, what some people call a cult classic or something like that. Uh, I was just doing what I thought was the right thing to do as a filmmaker starting out and trying to make something that I was personally passionate about. The movie was very well received by the studio when it was finished. They didn't want to change a frame of it. They accepted it completely as it was.
Well, thanks very much, Dave. I really appreciate it here, here in that uh, review. Here in that, uh, what am I talking? <laughs> uh, it's getting, uh, uh, you know, takes a while to get rolling sometimes uh, each uh, segment here. But anyway, uh, yeah, Dave, that was great. Uh, Silent Running is just a an amazing movie, especially considering they only it only cost them a million dollars. Douglas Trumbull. All the you know effects and music, uh, Joan Baez's songs are just great. Uh, I, it's it's a huge huge favorite. I remember my brother and I used to watch that as much as we could back in the day. You know when it was on, you would just have to watch for times it was on you know, syndication on television and that before before the days of VHS and DVD and Netflix streaming into your computer all the time. So, Dave, a uh, uh, great pick. I uh, really appreciate that. Uh, next up, we've got Al, who does the Tales from the Mouse House podcast about Disneyland. Al's going to talk to us about a, a more recent movie that he enjoyed quite a bit. So take it away, Al. Hey, Rico. This is Al, quad shot from the forums, and one of the hosts of Tales from the Mouse House, a Disneyland podcast. And yes, this is what I really look like. I don't look like my voice. I know. I chose the movie Moon to uh, report to you on. It's uh, a 2009 movie that uh, didn't get a, a whole lot of, uh, of theater time here in the States, I don't believe. Uh, it was kind of an obscure little film. Uh, I didn't really hear about it until recently, probably about six months ago. I was thumbing through uh, you know, cable and uh, came across it. I believe it was on HBO. Story is about an astronaut uh, played by Sam Rockwell. Uh, his name's Sam Bell. And he agrees to a three-year contract with this company called Lunar Industries. Now, the the company, uh, Lunar Industry, is based on the moon, obviously, Lunar Industries. And uh, their main um, product is uh, an element called helium-3. It's uh, the current uh, clean and abundant fuel source uh, used here on Earth. So Sam's sole responsibility for his three-year contract is to go out uh, uh, you know onto the surface of the moon and harvest rocks and then just ship them back to the uh, to the earth so that they can extract the element from it now the twist of this whole thing is that he is all alone on the moon the only companion he has is the uh, the station's uh, computer uh, called Gertie G-E-R-T-Y voiced by the great Kevin Spacey now the the story of the, of the of the movie revolves around how uh, Sam Rockwell, Sam Bell, uh, acts and how he handles the loneliness of uh, being the only human being uh, on this planet or on the uh, moon for three years. And obviously, uh, as the day, days go on, he begins to to hallucinate things here and there. Uh, he believes he. He sees his wife, you know, just things like that. And as the end of his three-year stint um, comes up, he actually begins hallucinating even more, and he starts getting sick. Uh, there's a there's a really great twist at the end of this movie that I'm not going to uh, reveal here because I want you to really go and uh, watch this movie because it is really uh, it's one of those movies that uh, even though probably about three quarters of the way. Uh, of the way into the movie uh, you're kind of let in on what the the twist is it gets even twistier towards the end so uh, I really highly recommend that you that you all go see it and um, I think I think you'll 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 love it 
Uh, and I just want to say congratulations on 300 shows, uh, Rico. That's amazing. 300 podcasts. I know that uh, when you first started this uh, this phenomenon we call Trexton Sci-Fi, you didn't. I, I don't think you foresaw that this was going to turn into the monster that it has. I mean, you've created a great show. You've created a great community for us all to get together, all of us uh, geeks and uh, former geeks, now geeks again, uh, to get together and discuss our our passion. And uh, you've also inspired a great many of us to do our own show. So thumbs up to you, Rico, and uh, keep up the great work. You know, Moon, I, I just saw that one actually myself also a couple of months back and, and really with Sam Rockwell and really enjoyed it. it it's, it's not quite what maybe people would expect, I think, but I, I know that sci-fi fans out there would enjoy it and a very good pick. So thanks, Al, and everyone should check out Al's uh, podcast, Tales from the Mouse House, that he does with his wife about Disney. And I was on there uh, not too long back, and uh, we reminisced about... Uh, Times in, in Disneyland when I was growing up out in California for a few years. So thanks, Al, for that. Uh, and last up, this is the last video for today, and I'll come back and wrap things up. This is from, of course, our friend Rick Moyer, who talks about a couple of movies that he enjoys that are not Star Trek and not Star Wars. So take it away, Rick. Hi there. Happy 300 shows, Treks in Sci-Fi. Rico, you rock. Today you wanted us to talk about some type of science fiction or fantasy movies that we really liked that didn't include Trek, I brought John Luke with me anyway, or Star Wars. That was very hard for me to do because, you, as you know, those are some of my favorites. But I did pick out two movies that I really enjoyed. The first one being the classic remake of Planet of the Apes. This is a fantastic DVD. The reason I got it is because uh, not only did I really enjoy the story and the way that they did the special effects and the makeup and everything, but they had a, a fantastic behind-the-scenes look at everything uh, from different perspectives on the DVD, and I loved it, absolutely loved it. It's one of my favorite DVDs ever. And I know that some people didn't really like the remake of Planet of the Apes, but I thought it was great from the music to the scenery to the makeup. And Tim Roth playing the evil ape was just fantastic. Incredible. Then the other great um, movie that I really enjoy, non-Star Trek or Star Wars, even though those are my favorite movies, was the movie K-Pax. Now I know a lot of people wouldn't think of this as a, as a science fiction show, but it is probably the coolest filmed movie that I've ever seen. Not to mention combined with the great music, the cinematography and the music, make this movie very very cool and it's a very thought-provoking it gets into the mind of people and then at the end it leaves you with a, a situation where you have to wonder did this guy really come from another planet or not k-pax highly recommended from this guy now what would not uh, make or what would make this video complete uh, other than a music video because I like to do parodies and music so why not let's do one just to end it out and say happy 300 to you Rico
300, Rico, the Trek Sin Sci-Fi Show. Happy 300, Rico, the best geeky podcast I know. Happy 300, Rico, here's the many more. Happy 300, Rico, how about 300 more? Go. Happy 300, Rico. I hope you enjoy your show. Because a whole bunch of other people do too. So I thought you should know. Happy 300, Rico. Ah, that was good. Uh, Rick, uh, what can I say? You got, you know, you're just the man of many talents, a renaissance man, harmonica and, and, and videos and music. It's just, I don't know what to say. It, it's, it's very cool always to have you on. I never know what quite I'm going to get and it's always great. So thanks very much. And, and Planet of the Apes, you talked about in Capex. Both those movies I've seen, I was probably more in the camp of a, liking the original Planet of the Apes more than the, the remake, but I, I agree that it's uh, the, the effects and the costuming and makeup for that movie were uh, fantastic. Capex is also a little hidden gem, I think, too. I've seen that and enjoyed it, too. And uh, what can I say? Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. I think we had eight of you that, that sent in videos. I, I was, uh, you know, I was getting a little scared towards the end of last week. I only had maybe two or three of those, but you guys came in in the end. Uh, that's a good sampling. Actually, it was probably getting to the point where if I had many more, it would have been a much longer vidcast, and then the file gets, you know, huge. <laughs> All right, well, now I'm going to come in here and say, just want to say thanks, everyone, for uh, following Treks and Sci-Fi all this time. Uh, a couple things. One, donations are always welcome. Go to treksandsci-fi.com. If you ever want to contact me, treksf at gmail.com is the way to do that. Uh, we'd love to have you on the forums. If you're not a forum member, you really, you really should be a forum member because uh, we have a great group there. Uh, we all get along, except for we don't really get along with that Brian guy. You know, he's always like taking his shirt off and stuff and running off to far exotic places and jumping in the water and then bicycling around. I don't understand what he does that for. I mean, don't they have cars, buses? What's the deal? Anyway, Brian, thanks. Thanks always for your. Uh, your apple... No, never mind. We're not going to get into that. No, no, not going to do it. <laughs> anyway, everyone, thanks very much. Next week on the podcast, we're going to have something special again. This is kind of like special month for Treks and Sci-Fi. We started with my wife, Lynn, uh, and this video cast for our show 300. Next week, we're going to have Rick, Pete, and I are going to talk about Spock and Vulcans. If you guys have any audio comments you want to send in about that, feel free to do that. Uh, the week after that, it's going to be me and Brompton Boy from the forums, Pete. Is it Pete? Peter. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about a TOS episode, Bread and Circuses. Uh, and then I think that'll take us to the end of the month, which is Halloween. And I'm going to look at the classic original John Carpenter movie, Halloween. And uh, I'd like to get your comments about, you know, maybe some Halloween memories or something like that. So think about those for the next couple of weeks and, and get those uh, sort of percolating in your mind. What am I talking about today? I don't know. Anyway, everyone take care. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, again, thanks so much for watching and listening each week to Treks and Sci-Fi. Go put a review on iTunes. Go do it right now. Even if you have like 
five years ago when the show first started. I think they'll let you get away with another one. Uh, or tell your friends about the show. So, always trying to get new uh, people interested in, in watching and listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. Live long and prosper. May the force be with you. Uh, everyone, take care, and I will talk to you again very soon in about a week. Bye. Okay, a little dancing around. Hey, no. no.